Hello and welcome to the Catherine Plano podcast. We have a new format of the show and it's broken up into four parts. Moments of All, where I share actionable tips, strategies and coaching models that you can implement in your daily life for massive improvements. Tips from my pen, where I share personal insights from my morning pages. The Paradigm Shift blogcast, where you can now listen to our monthly themed articles. And finally, Purposeful Conversations with our Radical Shift series, where we have honest chats with change instigators, compelling creators, and interesting humans who are breaking the cycle of convention and redefining success one mission at a time. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning, connection, and resilience into your life. Now let's jump into your weekly dose of practical goodness. week we have a super amazing guest for you we have cute blackson who is a beloved inspirational speaker and transformational teacher he is the author of the national best-selling book you are the one and the magic of surrender he is widely considered the next generation leader in the field of personal development and has been featured on larry king now Fox and Friends, Dr. Drew, and Inc. Magazine calls him the mindfulness guru billionaire's go-to for advice. For over 20 years, Cute has been inspiring audiences around the world. From the first time he spoke in front of 3,000 people at the age of eight to speaking to over 300 venues by the age of 18, helping organizations develop authentic leadership and achieve extraordinary performance over the last decade. His electrifying presentations not only offer real-world practical ideas and soul-stirring wisdom, but also ignites the heart and inspire courageous action. He received the 2019 Walden Award in the New Thought Wisdom category that Unity Organization honors once a year to recognize socially conscious leaders who are making the world a better place. One of the previous year's winners in the same category was Oprah Winfrey. His mission is simple to awaken and inspire people across the planet to access inner freedom, live authentically and fulfill their true life's purpose. It's now time to tune into this amazing human being. Enjoy. So Coot, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. So I've, I've got so many things we could start this uh, interview with, and oh. um, I think the best thing is maybe to talk a little bit a little bit about you first, so that our audience get to know a little bit more about Kit. So over to you. What's your story? Well, that could take the whole show <laughs> by itself. <laughs> uh, a little bit about me. Uh, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana. My mother's Japanese. I grew up in London. Now I live in the US and partly Mexico. And I feel like I'm a citizen of the world from everywhere and from nowhere. 
Um, for me, I was a very empathetic kid. And so I would feel people's pain, feel people's um, suffering very deeply. And there was always a part of me that wanted to alleviate their suffering in some way. I didn't know what that would look like. And so that was very uh, strong inside of me, this sense that even around age five, age six, that like I, I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to help. I wanted to do something. And so I didn't know the form, but I grew up in a in a kind of unusual environment. Um, a lot of people will say it's a little extraordinary. I honestly, whilst growing up, didn't think it was very special, thought it was very ordinary, thought this was everyone's life. But years later, found out maybe it wasn't the case. Like my first memories as a young boy was seeing a crippled woman being lost in the crowd of about a thousand people and seeing a crippled woman uh, crawling on the floor. And she picks up the sand that this man walks on, wipes it on her face and stands up. And so week after week, I grew up seeing uh, blind people see and deaf people hearing and people standing up out of wheelchairs. The same man who stands, she picked up would look at a woman in a wheelchair and say, hey, why are you in this wheelchair? Stand up. And he would put his hands on them and they would be healed. And so you could call that like a bit of miracles. Um, and this man was my father. And so uh, I grew up seeing miracles as an as a everyday thing. And I actually thought this was everybody's reality. And uh, people growing up thought I was a little crazy when I'd go to school and tell my friends about these you know, blind people seeing, deaf people hearing, and people standing up out of wheelchairs. And so um, it, was a, it was a real blessing, I think, to grow up in this environment and not think anything unusual about it. Because for me, it gave me it normalized the sense of the mystical. It normalized the sense of the, of, of the seemingly impossible. I grew up with a sense of anything was possible. And so uh, my father built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, um, very mystical, spiritual man. He had a huge church in London, about 5,000 pe people every Sunday. So when I was age eight, that's when my speaking career began, when I was thrown into the audience one day and my father said, speak. And so... I began speaking and that that began a whole journey with with speaking every month in my father's church. And when I was um, 14, I was another pivotal moment for me was I was I was ordained as a minister uh, in my father's church. And I was given it was announced one Sunday that I was going to be taking over and I was given the mandate to my father's spiritual organization. And it was a big deal and hundreds of thousands of followers. And so. I'll never forget when it was announced that my everyone was excited and elated, but my heart sank because I knew that this was not my path. I knew that this was not my my destiny, my purpose. And so I just didn't have the, shall we say, the courage, the 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 courage. Yeah, I didn't have the courage to speak my truth. Um, and I think like many of us, we allow fear to hijack us, our voice, our truth, our expression, the fear of if you know who I really am, you won't love me. And so my fear was if I dare to speak my truth, I'll lose my father. I'll be outcast. I'd be alone. Um, I'd be abandoned. And so I said nothing and I got ordained, went along with it. And all, you know, all the while felt a profound conflict in my heart, this internal turmoil of knowing that I wasn't being true to my soul. I wasn't being true to myself. And I didn't know what that would look like is I just felt this, this thing pulling me in a direction. And so when I was 18, everything came to a head because I had to make some decisions. And another pivotal moment that shaped my life was um, 
I felt this calling in my soul to come to America, to come to Southern California, to come to Los Angeles, because, you know, in the self-help field, this is where most of the top self-help authors at the time, you know, Louise Hay and Chopra and Tony Robbins and uh, Marianne Williamson, they all lived in Los Angeles, San Diego, Southern California. So I felt this, I wanted to go into this field and I felt this pull, like my soul was calling me, go to Los Angeles. I knew no one there, had no idea what I was going to do, but you know, sometimes what your soul guides you to do isn't always convenient and doesn't always make sense to your logic, but I just felt it, you know, and I'm a big believer, especially since then, that when you follow your soul, you will always be guided, even though it doesn't make sense. And sometimes the route that you are guided on uh, won't be the one that you most expect, but you'll always end up in the right place. And so I looked into my future at 18 and it was such a pivotal moment for me as I projected into following the expected path, following the path that was set out for me, age 20, age 30, age 40, age 50. And I saw that I could be successful by everyone's standards. But if I didn't have myself, if I didn't have my truth, if I didn't have my integrity, if I didn't have my soul, what kind of success was that? You know, and, and there was such a, I felt such a pain of soul, like I was committing soul suicide. And I knew what I had to do, which was very difficult, very heartbreaking for me, but I knew I had to confront my father and basically leave everything behind. And so one day I had that conversation in a nutshell, told my father I wasn't taking over, renounced everything. Uh, we didn't speak for about two years, which was very, very uh, tough uh, in many ways, but I knew I was on the right path. I knew that I was being guided. And for me, the confirmation came when I ended up winning um, true story. I ended up winning a green card in the green card lottery. And that uh, was the confirmation that I was being guided. And uh, that's why I'm a firm believer, you know, like nothing is worth compromising your truth. Nothing is worth compromising your soul. And ended up in, in the US, in Los Angeles, two suitcases, $800, went and found many of the teachers and mentors and authors I'd read about, studied with some of them, learned from some of them. And then years later, uh, decided to go deeper and started traveling the world. I wanted to find answers for myself. And so I ended up in like uh, Israel studying with rabbis and ended up in Thailand studying with monks, ended up in you know South America with shamans, ended up in India. And it was my time in India in search of certain answers to the meaning of life and who, who am I and why am I here and what is the purpose of all of this that I felt like I had certain inner awakenings and realizations that really um, opened me to a deeper reality of my own self and my own purpose. And that's when I came back to LA and started coaching with people one-on-one -on -one and one person you know, I, I, I was broke, I had no money, you know, no nothing, but I was on fire with a deep, I felt so free. And I, and I wanted people to feel the inner freedom that I felt that was not based on bank account, a car, a house, anything external. And so I worked with one person, I worked with another, I had no idea what I was doing 20 years ago, but one person's life changed, another person's life changed. Before you knew it, people started coming from you know, around the world and uh, created a way of working with people and small groups, large groups, and then two books. And so that's a, a bit of the, the nutshell.
what a story <laughs> that's a, I, I, a little bit that's a little bit of the story. that was amazing story and i think for me there's the, there's a couple of things that have bubbled up uh for me as you were speaking about it so standing in the truth that's that's a practice in itself and mm. i think that even for myself i'm i'm currently practicing three things which i'm finding really difficult mm non-resistance, non-attachment, and non-judgment. And so, and these is like removing these obstacles. And a lot of that is standing in your truth, right? Speaking your truth without being afraid of what the other person is going to say or how they're going to respond or react. That's tough. So what would you say for our listeners who would like to stand in truth? Because a lot of us, including myself, we hold ourselves back. Yeah, yeah. Many, many ways. Mm. ways. You know, I I think one of the things that blocks us the most um, from, from going to that next level, from transforming, from shifting, from manifesting, from experiencing the next level of our life are, are, are all the ways that we lie to ourselves. And I think in so many ways we have been conditioned, often unconsciously, unintentionally from childhood to lie to ourselves. We lie about what we feel so that we can not feel the pain of what's going on around us. We lie about who we are so that we can get love, validation and approval from our caretakers and being our parents. And so in in some ways, we've been conditioned to lie, you know, unintentionally, but we've been conditioned to lie. And, And so I think it's natural that there is a disconnect. There's natural that there's there's a resistance. And so I think if we can just become aware of that and acknowledge that, that begins, that can begin a, a, a breakthrough and a shift. So I, I think just being willing to acknowledge all the ways that we lie to ourselves, just, just acknowledging, even if we don't do anything about it, even if we don't take action on it, because sometimes the, the fear of the consequence of taking action on on speaking our truth can create more fear, which then creates a, another sort of egoic survival mechanism where we start getting confused and, and it's really a protective mechanism. And so I think if we're going to just say, okay, question number one, what lies am I telling myself? Because there really is no, there is no transformation without truth. And we have to want the truth more than we want what we have. We have to want the truth more than we want what we think we want. And so just even beginning by asking ourselves the question, what lies am I telling myself? You know, we stay in relationships that are not aligned out of comfort, guilt, self-preservation. We've invested so much. It's based on our identity. But we're, we're no longer aligned. And we wonder, like, why am I not happy? You know, we, 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 we work careers and jobs that, really is not an expression of our true purpose and why we were put on the planet. But again, out of fear, out of safety, out of self-preservation. And so just, just beginning with the simple acknowledgement of what am I lying about? What are the lies I'm telling myself? And I tell people, take the pressure off of yourself of having to even take any action. Just take the pressure off and just start with, you know what? I hate my job. That's true. You don't have to leave. You don't have to. You, I hate my job. And just just sit with that. You know, the truth. Allow the truth to marinate because that can begin a process inside. You know what? I'm no longer in love. I haven't been for five years. It can be terrifying and scary because that you know, symbolizes change. And, you know, the ego doesn't want to change. It wants everything and everyone else around to change, but it doesn't want to change. And so one of the ways we keep ourselves kind of stuck is 
in denial. And so just starting with, I'm no longer in love. And just being with that, you don't have to divorce, you don't have to break up, you don't have to do anything, but just allowing the truth to marinate that starts a process inside. And just really sitting with two, like, what am I pretending to not know? Because in so many ways, we play this game of confusion within ourselves, because if I'm confused, or if I pretend I'm confused, if I'm confused and have this smoke screen of, I don't know, I'm not sure what my purpose is. I don't know what to do. I don't know what the next step is. I don't know uh, what my dream is. I don't know if I if this relationship is right for me or not. Then if I'm confused, I don't have to take action. And so I think the, the sense of confusion can sometimes be a you know, well-intended protective mechanism. And so sitting with what lies am I telling myself? What am I pretending to not know? And just acknowledging the truth and allowing yourself to feel and acknowledge the pain. If we feel pain in our lives, to me, pain is not bad, but in our culture, we seem to have a relationship with pain. And if we feel pain, some pain as in depression, pain as in backache, neckache, shoulder, some kind of pain, I'm feeling like unhappy. We've been conditioned to avoid it, to distract ourselves, to busy ourselves, to work it away, sex it away, drink it away, porn it away, smoke it away, drug it away, shop it away, social media away, just whatever it is to not feel and acknowledge the pain. But I think the pain is simply a messenger and a feedback mechanism showing us where we're not in alignment. It's not good or it's bad or it's not bad. It's just feedback. And so if we can start seeing pain as a blessing, pain as a gift, pain as an invitation to course correct and bring ourselves into a deeper level of integrity. So when we lie to ourselves, it's not meant to feel good. You know, when we lie to ourselves, it's meant to be painful. So I think sometimes the pain is actually a sign that we're healthy, showing us, wait a second, you're not in alignment. And so I think if we can just be still for a moment and not run from our pain, but acknowledge our pain and say, okay, what is this pain showing me? What is this pain teaching me? You know, and when we don't acknowledge the, the pain, when we don't acknowledge where we're lying to ourselves, it will manifest in some emotional pain, depression sadness, lethargy, lack of energy, physical pain, neck ache, back ache, shoulder ache, um, some ongoing dis-ease that will be another symbol of our unconscious, uh, our suppressed unconscious trying to get our attention. It might manifest as life not flowing uh, as well because we're suppressing our truth. So now our energy and our truth isn't flowing. It might manifest as we will start attracting people into our lives uh, that reflect and manifest or show us or mirror to us our own unconscious suppressed truth. And so it's like, shit, why do I keep attracting people that are angry and people that are mad and people that are, you know, lying because we are. And so sometimes for those that might be wondering, but I don't know, I'm not lying to myself. I don't know if I'm lying to myself. If you have emotional pain, if you have physical pain or some ongoing disease or any of these things I just mentioned, that that can also uh, be a clue to where there might be a deeper lie that we're not telling ourselves, you know. And so I think telling the truth, as you mentioned, can be can be a bit scary, you know, because in so many ways from childhood, we're conditioned, you know, we're born these free beings 
like a little uh, a kid is free but before we get conditioned we jump on the table we're in touch with the we're in touch with the deepest truth the deepest truth that we are whole perfect and complete deepest truth that we are a magnificent expression of the divine with our true essence that is the truth of what we are the truth of our being but we're born we incarnate into this human experience you know uh, and now we incarnate into, let's say, a preset framework based on our parents and their condition, their condition, and they're doing the best that they can do based on their pre-programmed conditioning, based on their parents and their parents and their parents. And now we're born into a kind of preset generational pattern of conditioning. And maybe dad was an alcoholic, or maybe mom was crazy, or maybe they were both crazy and fighting all the time. And so a couple of things happen. The first thing is we start learning all sorts of defense mechanisms to shut down, disconnect, not feel, cope with the emotion or the dysfunction or the trauma that's going on. So we start suppressing our feelings. We start lying to ourselves about what we feel. We start suppressing our feelings, suppressing our feelings, suppressing our feelings, layers and layers and layers and layers and layers of unprocessed, unfelt feeling begins to grow and, 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 and cover up and hide um, our true light, our truth, our true essence. And we develop all sorts of mechanisms to function and survive and deal with the pain. And then we learn all sorts of ways to contort ourselves into a certain shape to get love, validation, and approval, to develop all sorts of roles, masks, and personas to just you know, who do I need to be in order to be loved? For me, as a young boy, and, and this wasn't spoken to me, and many times it's not always spoken to us. Sometimes it is, but, you know, I thought I needed to be being a, you know, healers, preachers, ministers kid, the perfect son, the, the holy one, the sacred one, the serious one, the responsible one, the one who took care of everybody, was responsible for everybody, which... Sure, it was great, but it was I, I wasn't aware that there was so much pressure and there were so many aspects of myself that I had to deny and split off from and lie about and pretend to be something that I thought the world wanted me to be. And so I think in many ways, we are conditioned. We're not even aware that we're conditioned. And so I think as human beings, we have to begin becoming aware that we are conditioned. And, and the degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we're not truly free. And so just even recognizing that we're conditioned, then the willingness to question our conditioning and the willingness to acknowledge some of those feelings that we learn to suppress so that we can release them and let them go and meet ourselves with a, shall we say, some mercy, you know, and some compassion for lying to ourselves and it, because the lying to ourselves is an ego strategy and mechanism of control and the ego's job is to ultimately reinforce its existence and to make sure we don't get hurt again like we were hurt when we were five and seven and so lying to ourselves is a it's a well-intended strategy it just it's limiting it, it ends up limiting us. You know, we lied to ourselves when we were five. Like, no, no, I'm fine. I, everything's good. I don't need love. But we did. And it worked for us and it helped us cope. But it often now gets in the way of our ability to receive, our ability to manifest, our ability to be open, our ability to be ourselves. And so just even acknowledging, okay, what lies am I telling myself? And just even acknowledging what roles 
what masks, like we think that who we are is who we really are, but it often isn't. And often we don't question ourselves because the question, the version of ourselves that we've learned to become can feel scary for our ego because we've become so identified with this version of ourselves that we've become thinking that it's us, but it's not. And so to question ourselves and to tell the truth can feel scary because it's like, oh shit, if I tell the truth about who I am and what I feel, then who will I be? And it feels like a, it can feel like a death to tell the truth, which is why it's so scary. So I think, uh, you know, meeting ourselves with, with mercy and compassion along the way, even when we're not, you know, being our best selves or showing up as authentically, it's just, can we meet ourselves with compassion along the way in the journey? Mm, so beautifully said. I love the fact that it's almost like you meet pain as a way to move forward. Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. It's, it's showing you the way forward. So when you feel pain, whatever area of your life, it's actually there's obviously this is this is a sign that this is the area you must focus on. And the thing is, you know, as you were speaking, I was just thinking like the roles that we play. <clears throat> excuse me. It's um it's one of those things that I was talking about probably about a week ago. The pressure, whether you're a businesswoman, a mother, a wife, a daughter, a sister, these expectations of these roles, it Mm. puts so much pressure on us to uh, act out a certain way. And then we end up living somebody else's life because, you know, my mother expects me to be this way or my father expects me to behave this way, which is very similar to what you were saying. Like you you weren't living your life. You were living somebody else's life until you came to that realization you know your truth and i love the fact that you put it as well like me you whatever you're feeling i don't love this person anymore or i'm not happy with this job anymore whatever that may be just start there and allow it to flow through don't because this is yeah. what we normally do we resist yeah. it yeah. and this is why i'm practicing not and it's very hard not resist <laughs> it. we resist it because we don't want to deal with it's too much uh, yeah. you know, too much emotions that will come up. So you, as you say, we repress it, repress it. Um, but just to start there and allow it to marinate flow through. I love the way yeah. that you describe that. Yeah. T- t- and, and basically take the pressure off, yeah. you know, taking the pressure off then for our perceived sense of self, the, 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 the version of ourselves that we've become, we'll call it ego, right? This, this idea and identity of who we think ourselves to be it, 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 it's scary to tell the truth because like, oh shit, if I tell the truth, then who am I going to be if I'm not what I was anymore? And so for the ego truth, letting go feels like death. And so what resists is the ego. Yeah. Ego is the mechanism and activity of constant resistance because that reinforces it and gives us a sense of false safety. And when we understand that, like, I think many times people, let's say they'll read my book about surrender or they'll read a book about letting go and they're like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll kind of like force ourselves into submission of surrender and letting go, which often will create more resistance within ourselves because it feels like a death. And so sometimes a, sometimes real surrender is in acknowledging the ways that you're not surrendering the ways that you're not surrendered, the ways that you're freaking resisting so hard. And rather than resisting that, surrendering to that and meeting that with love, because these strategies and mechanisms and ways of being, ego strategies and ways of being have been in place for so long 
and have been ways that we have learned from a very young age to just survive. And so I think we have to be willing, like how we work with ourselves is as important as the outcome itself. And so I tell people, you can't like beat yourself up into compassion. You know, you can't force yourself into surrender. And so how we hold ourselves, it, to me, that is the, the, the healing. And so when we can realize that what's resisting is ego. And we've been conditioned to believe and think that I am ego. I am this thing. It's just who I am. And when we can step back and realize, no, ego is not a thing. It is a process of identification, of conditioning, but it's not what we are. And that process is simply a a pattern, a program pattern from childhood. That's not what we are. It's just how we've been conditioned to hold ourselves, but it's not what we really are. And so when we can start seeing that and meeting this, this pattern of resistance with love, then we don't provide resistance. Then, then, then what happens is this, this part of ourselves that is afraid to tell the truth, that is afraid of letting go, that's resisting. When we don't provide resistance to it, we can just say, I see you, thank you, I understand. It, it, you'll find that it, 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 it can relax. You know, that, that aspect of us can start to just relax. And there's a, there's a gentle natural opening and surrender that actually begins happening in the process that is really deep and beautiful. And that's when I think healing can happen. Healing is when we are able to apply loving and compassion to those parts of ourselves that are hurting. And the part of us that is afraid, the part of us that lies, the part of us that is resisting, in some way is a part of us that is hurting, which is why we're resisting and lying and doing those strategies in the first place so when we can meet ourselves with the loving with the understanding with the compassion much of which we never gotten growing up that's when a relaxation can happen and real healing can happen you mentioned two two words so and i want to get um explain how I've understood it and then uh, I'd love to 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 get your insight how do we actually do it because for me you mentioned surrendering and letting go which is something that a couple of years ago I went on a quest of what do I need to let go of so I thought I'm going to become the observer of my life and started separating (laughs) like you said the ego the identity of this who I deemed to think Catherine Plano was Um, And becoming the observer. And what I realized, Q, is I have been spiritual bypassing my whole entire life. I'm glad you're you're going here. You know, and I'm in my 50s. So so how do we surrender Mm, or let go? Do we, how do we do it? Like my my technique was to become the observer, but I'm sure there's a better way. Yes, yes, yes. So I'm so glad you're talking about this because, okay, so a lot of people never truly, truly, truly move into the, the, the real dimension of surrender. Surrender to me, and, and, and we can talk about it in, in a moment, but for this part of the question, surrender is the open-hearted embrace of what is happening. Truly, open, not open-minded. Like everything is happening for my highest good and God is great and God is everything and everything is perfect. No, 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 no. That's, that's a bypass. But surrender is the 
open-hearted embrace and full participation with the experiences that are happening, where you roll your sleeves up, maybe crying, maybe happy sometimes, but you're like, I'm going to embrace what is happening and, 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 and accept what's happening, embrace what's happening and work with what's happening and use what is happening for my highest growth and evolution. That is surrender. And so many times people come to a point of acceptance and there is a difference between acceptance and surrender. And I'll, and I'll share the bypass moment. Acceptance is when you're like, okay, what's happening is happening. Like it's raining outside. Fair enough. I'm pissed off it's raining outside. And, and damn it, it's raining outside. But okay. And why is it raining outside? You're accepting that it's raining, but you're still pissed off and mad and not, not participating fully. Like, okay, my husband is what he is. I wish he were different. And, you know, I'm going to kind of hold back a bit of my loving until he changes, but I'm not going to leave the relationship. And I accept who he is, but I'm pissed off, right? That's acceptance. That's not the full surrender and open-hearted participation in the process of life. And so between acceptance and surrender is often in the spiritual field, there is a phase that is often missed because of the spiritual bypass. And that phase is grieving. Grieving, or we could say feeling, grieving. Surrender is a death. Letting go truly is a death. A death of an idea, a death of a dream, a death of a relationship, a death of who you thought you were, a death of what you thought life was going to look like, a death of how you thought you were going to be when you were 40, 50, 60. It's a death so that you can truly embrace what is seeking to happen. It's a letting go. And so to truly surrender is a death, and that death requires the acknowledgement of grieving. To truly grieve what was and what wasn't is part of the process of healing. Many times in our culture, we are not taught how to feel and how to grieve. We're afraid that if we feel our feelings, feel our grief, that it will be overwhelming and we won't be able to handle it or we're going to get stuck or that we're going to be a victim. And, but the truth is all feelings remain present until fully felt authentically. All feelings remain present until fully felt. And what we have to also realize is no feelings last forever. All feelings are temporary. All feelings have a natural cycle and completion that when we feel our feelings fully with awareness, with awareness, not as a disconnect, with awareness, then eventually, naturally, they have a natural cycle in layers, and they will dissolve. They will dissolve. And so many times people don't feel their feelings fully, also as a bypass. They want to sort of like be in a high vibration and be the observer. And so there's a disconnection from the body and from life and from their humanity. And as a result, they don't fully, fully let go of the grief. Fully, fully, fully let go of the emotion fully let, like like for instance sometimes one of the things that stops us from feeling our pain or grief as an example fully is if i don't feel my grief fully that maybe i don't have to acknowledge that it's not working maybe i don't have to acknowledge that the relationship is actually over if i don't feel acknowledge the pain and the grief maybe i don't have to acknowledge that my mother has died and I can be in a kind of denial. And so these are strategies, you know. And so sometimes people will say, but Kud, I don't want to be a victim and wallow in my feelings. 
Great. It's about having the relationship with your, a healthy relationship with your feelings to feel your feelings with consciousness, with intention and with awareness. Sometimes people will say, but I felt my feelings and they never end and it just doesn't end. And here's the thing. We sometimes think that we're feeling our feelings, but we're thinking about our feelings and analyzing our feelings rather than actually being with them fully and completely. And so how to do that, what I found for myself, is when you can just acknowledge the feeling, pain, hurt, sadness, whatever the feeling is, let's call it grief, you can just be with it and take the label off of the feeling. Don't even call it grief. Once you take the label off of the feeling, you're not indulging the story this happened, that happened, this should have happened, woe is me, what, not adding anything to the feeling. You're just taking the label off, don't even call it grief, and just experience the feeling as a sensation, as a sensation in your body. No story, just a sensation, warm, hot, cold, tight, whatever the sensation is. And notice what happens when you can take the label off of the feeling without story, without analyzing, without resisting, without judging, without denying, without rejecting, projecting, and just fully experience the sensation or sensations of that feeling in your body and notice what happens. You will often find, at least I have found, that the feeling has a cycle. No feeling just stays stuck when you're truly with it, because now you are in relationship fully. You are in relationship and experiencing, not thinking about experiencing the feeling, the sensation. And when you truly do that and allow it to have its natural process and cycle, a layer of that feeling will complete. Another layer of that feeling will complete. And every time you're able to do that, layers of that feeling can, can, can complete until perhaps they've dissolved. For instance, one thing that inspired me to write my book was my mother passed away. My mother passed away uh, of stomach cancer. And I was very, 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 very close to my mother. And it was, look, it was, it was, it was heartbreaking. I had an entire year to be with her, which was a profound blessing. I grieved for an entire year in terms of letting her go. But once she passed, it was another level of grieving. And what I had to allow myself to do, not a spiritual bypass. And see, I, look, I knew that my mother was not just this body. I knew that my, that my mother was a consciousness beyond death, beyond birth. I knew that my mother would be with me from the other side intellectually, that we are all part of the one beingness and that she's not really going anywhere in essence. However, on the human level, and we exist on a multidimensional level, so in the human physical form, there were sensations of grieving. And so as I gave myself permission to just not indulge, but allow the grieving, and so I would feel the grieving sensations. And what would happen for me was it felt like there were moments literally like my heart was breaking. It literally felt like my heart was breaking. And as I would just be with that, Sometimes tears flowed. And as I'd be with that, the feeling of grief would cycle and, 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 and it would move. And just when I felt my heart was breaking, it felt like there was a breaking open. A breaking open to more love. And it was in allowing the grieving that something would break open. 
and that there was more love. And then maybe there'll be another wave of grief. And then I would just be with the sensation of grief. And there was another feeling, a sense of breaking open. And then there was more love. And, and, it, and so it was through the grieving that actually allowed more love for my mother to, to be revealed. But also when we suppress the grief or the so-called negative feeling, we also suppress the joy and the happiness because our capacity to feel, when we limit our capacity to feel one, we limit our capacity to feel another extreme. And in that, what I found was in allowing the full experience of the feeling, in this case, the grieving, um, there is a deeper strength, not on a spiritual kind of mental bypass level, there was a deeper strength that we start to feel inside from grieving and breaking open and knowing through direct embodied experience that you cannot be broken, that what you truly are, not just in a spiritual level, but even on this physical level is beyond the body and that what you are cannot be truly broken. And there is, I think for me, a deeper resilience and strength that comes through going through the feeling, experiencing the feeling of sensation, but also in knowing that you are not the feeling and the feeling is not you. What you are is more. What you are is that observer that you're talking about. What you are ultimately is consciousness and the feeling, even the happiness and the grieving or the sad, the, the bliss or the piss, so to speak, is happening inside of a greater context that is observing everything, you know? Wow. I had a bit of an epiphany just listening to you. I am, um, I have been, and I talk about, I teach about Mm -hmm. how to drop Mm -hmm. into our heart as often as possible because we get stuck in the mind, you know, even as simple as listening to someone in the heart compared to listening the mind, because I can get distracted and think, Oh, what do I have to get for dinner tonight and start going off and and doing a shopping list in my mind. So dropping into my heart has been a, a practice, but what came to mind is I would say I've been doing it wrong. So I've, I've, by labeling what you're what you are feeling um you are taking it out of the unconscious making it conscious and by if you're able to label it you can tame it but what you're saying is don't label it let it go completely allow the emotion because the emotion the sensation the sensation experience sensation the sensation the sensation is not even the emotion because sometimes people think, but I'm crying and I'm crying. No, the sensation. The, and when you can be with that sensation in your body, you're experiencing it, not thinking about it, or do, you're being with it fully without resistance. That's what allows things to complete. Mm, I love that. And you, you have mentioned soul quite a bit. And what keeps bubbling every time you mention soul uh-huh. is I know part of my spiritual bypassing was mm. that. I used to say to myself, my soul chose these experiences for, for me. So yes. I, whatever pain I endured in, over time that was meant to take place. But do you think that's <laughs> so a good. spiritual so bypass in itself, you know right? I'm, I'm loving this conversation. No, here's what I'll say. There is a truth to what you're saying, okay? 
you, we are a souls and we are souls that incarnated in this human experience into the simulation called life. And all of life is the university for our soul's evolution. And so on some level, our souls have chosen every single experience that we are going through for our highest good evolution, learning, growth, for sure. That is a deeper level of, of truth. And we have to have a relationship with that deeper truth, because if we don't, then yes, you can use that as a spiritual bypass. Someone dies, well, you know, your soul chose this experience. You were raped by, you know, 17 people in an alley in, you know, in, in, in Sydney. Well, your soul chose that as an experience. So, you know, just get over it, right? And, and so even the truth, it, it, the truth is the issue. Your relationship with that truth is more key. Otherwise, the ego hijacks the truth and wants to hold on to the truth for some sense of control and identity. And now when we hold on to that truth so rigidly and tightly, like everything's happening for my good and my soul chose this experience every moment and we don't allow ourselves to process and feel the human level feelings but because we're in a human body, now we're rigidly holding on and we, we don't have the fluidity and flexibility. And, and so life, here's what I would say, life, we live in a world of infinitely valid but simultaneously contradictory realities inherent in the nature of life. So did your soul chose everything? Absolutely, for sure. And so we could say um, life, it's all a movie. It's all a movie that we're living and your soul chose. Absolutely. But if you go to the movies, right, if you and I, we went to the movies, maybe those listening in, I love going to the movies. I just went to see Woman King the other day. Great movie. Paid freaking $66 to go watch a freaking movie, plus parking, plus popcorn, plus soda, plus whatever else. It's like by the time you come out of watching a movie, it's like $7,000 just to watch a movie, right? Wow. And so here, here we are. We pay to go watch a movie knowing that what we're watching is a lie. We are paying to go watch a lie. Yet we go happily, we go willingly. We go, and so knowing it's a movie, right? When you see, you know, woman kings killing someone and the warriors, you know, fighting, we enjoy it. We celebrate it. We're like, yeah, go women king. Go, go women warriors. It's amazing. Because we know it's a movie. And because we know it's a movie and we know actually it's a lie, it's a lie. It's a Hollywood creation. You don't go to the movie now and go, it's just a movie. None <laughs> of it's real. None of this is really, it's all an illusion. It's all a play of consciousness. Their souls chosen. You go to the movie and you allow yourself, because you know it's a movie, to be touched. Because you know it's a movie, it frees you up to maybe cry even more and laugh even more and, 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 and celebrate even more and, and be touched by that kid who was handicapped and is now risen to great heights and you're moved and you cry, even though that, that, that kid is not a real person, he's an actor. Because you know it's a movie, your relationship to life shifts. And when your relationship to life shifts, it frees you up to not be less human, but to be more human. Not just to wake up, but to wake down. And so that you can be, yes, 
with souls, having this human experience. And this thing that happened, it's painful and it's difficult and we're souls. And it's all perfect. It's all divine. It's all as it's meant to be. And my heart breaks simultaneously. To be able to experience the simultaneousness, the paradox, the, see, not the either or, or the or, but the and, that's where the freedom is. And the more we can experience that and, it's a movie, we're souls, it's perfect that, it's perfect that my, my boyfriend slept with my best friend for my highest soul's evolution. It's, it's perfect. And my soul requested this experience. And I'm fucking heartbroken and, 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 and distraught. And I can acknowledge the perfection and take full responsibility and learn the lessons that my soul needs to learn so that I can grow through this and evolve through this in this curriculum of life and process the pain, the anger, the rage, the grief simultaneously. Because if we don't, those emotions stay stuck in our physiology, in our nervous system. And what will tend to happen when we do spiritual bypasses, a lot of people do these you know, higher level awakening meditations, have these spiritual experiences on you know, mountaintop, on plant medicine, opening the pineal gland, seeing the blue light, seeing the divine, experiencing themselves as oneness. Then when they come out of the meditation, <laughs> they'll get wrapped in limitation and pain of the unprocessed anger, rage, hurt, guilt that they didn't allow themselves to process and release. And so the freedom is in the end. We are souls having a human experience and we must honor our humanness and not get lost in the humanness, but simultaneously reawaken to that we are divine. Mm, that's beautifully said. And I think, you know, for me, when I looked at my timeline and realized I was spiritual bypassing bad yeah. and mm. and it was that whole story i was telling myself this my soul chose this experience so i never experienced the emotion yeah, because yeah, i thought this yeah, was yeah, part of my yeah. journey yeah, yeah so it was yeah. a real a massive etheric slap <laughs> an awakening and, 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 and you know really acknowledge you because it takes freaking courage to to own and acknowledge that mm. for sure it, it, it takes courage it takes courage to really acknowledge like wow i've been spiritual bypassing and to be willing to own that and, and to, to, to kind of wake down and, and, and feel, because unless we truly move beyond spiritual bypassing and feel the layers of emotion, we're, not, we're often not able to Im integrate and embody the higher level awakenings and awarenesses into our body and everyday life. And so mm. I, I just... So Amazing. when you say wake down, are you talking about the integration? We're talking about moving from that high consciousness into the, is that what you mean? Yeah. By waking? Yeah. yeah. When I say waking down, it's just a term of like, we're all talking about waking up, waking up, waking up. And that's where a lot of people do spiritual bypass. And I'm going to meditate, but I'm not going to deal with my human level, anger, rage, hurt, you know, shame, pain. And so this is why so many folks, they have a great spiritual experience when they're in another dimension, then they come back to this reality and like, I feel like shit. I feel like crap. I feel, uh, you know, I feel like uh, I, I'm not in touch with that. And so I think part of the, the true evolutionary process is heaven on earth. You know, that heaven, it's not heaven in heaven, heaven 
bringing heaven on earth. But you can't bring heaven on earth until you integrate the body and the human and the, 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 the human organism to process the patterns of conditioning. Otherwise, you won't be able to sustain the oneness, the awareness of oneness that you experience in the human because your human is filled with unprocessed junk, you know, mm. unprocessed emotions and feelings, anger, fear, sadness, hurt, rage, guilt, pain. And so I think it's so important that we do our spiritual work and also our personal process simultaneously. Mm. And those two together is like two wings of the bird, the spiritual transcending but the personal mental psychological emotional processing so that we can live the love live the the feeling of oneness you know because otherwise you see i'll give an extreme example you see spiritual people feeling like they've had a moment of enlightening meant and then coming coming back into life and abusing their spouse or beating their kids or you know spiritual guru teacher right we've heard of it in the last years like John of God or this person or that person, like they were so amazing. And now they were like doing all these crazy things with their followers because they didn't deal with the mental, emotional, psychological human that we are in a body and the body is sacred and the human is sacred. And I think when we can really integrate the two, then we can um, experience heaven on earth. Mm, beautifully. So, so it's almost like that calibration or integration that needs to take place as above, so below. Yes. Mm. yes. Yeah. So, Keith, I am conscious of your time. I would love to Thank maybe you. just really quickly talk about your books. Uh, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear a little bit about your books. Yeah, yeah. Look, look, look uh, based on time, what I would say is the book I'm, I'm really excited about is The Magic of Surrender. Mm. And, you know, in a nutshell, it was not the book I thought I was going to write. I thought I had all sorts of intentions to write another book that I thought I should write, I th that I thought would be a bestseller, that I thought my publishers would want. But I think it just goes to show that sometimes life has a different flow and a different mm -hmm. intelligence. And, and I think part of the true freedom in fulfillment in life is bringing yourself into alignment with the deeper rhythm and flow of this innate intelligence that is life itself, that is existence itself. And so um, I had to surrender to the book about surrender that was seeking mm. to be written. And when I did, everything flowed. You know, I think in our culture today, I'm really passionate about this, this book and this topic because in our culture today, I think there's this misconception that surrender is weak, surrender is passive. That if you surrender, you're going to get left behind. You're going to be a doormat. You're going to not manifest your goals, dreams, and desires. And really all I'm saying is if you surrender, what if you didn't get less? But what if you got more? like more than you could have intended and visualized and planned with your limited ego mind. What if you got more? And we all want more magic in our lives, magic as in blessings and beauty and abundance, but often we don't want to surrender. It's the ego that doesn't want to surrender. And so to me, the formula, if there was one, is if you want more magic, you have to surrender, and surrender is the password to freedom, the password to that next level, the password to greatness. And if you look at, when I really look at the truly great ones, Jesus, Buddha, Mother Teresa, Gandhi, Mandela, uh, Bob Marley, Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, at some point, they all surrendered themselves to life. They all surrendered themselves to their souls, to, to, to being used by life. And in surrendering themselves, 
they, these human beings, regular people, they, I think, tapped into another dimension of their own potential. And that's when life began to move through them and use them and manifest through them and miracles unfolded, not of their own human, you know, ego force, but they were vessels and channels. And I think that is available for us all. And so surrender is a letting go of control or this illusion of control. Surrender is a letting go of trying to force and manipulate life to fit your limited idea of how you think it should be and who you think you should be. And is a taking the limitations off of life so that you can be open and available and truly open to the infinite possibilities that life is seeking to happen. And so the old paradigm was all about what do you want? What do you want? Get clear on what you want. But we don't really ask who is the I that wants. And many times you can create based on the ego, but often the ego-based life and creation will be limited. Many times we get what we thought we wanted only to realize that what we thought we wanted was not what we really wanted. It was just what we thought we wanted based on who we thought we were. And sometimes our goals can be projections of you know, unmet needs from childhood, right? And, and wow. so for me in living surrender, which I think we're all being invited to do at this time, we've been put into a global seminar the last couple of years on surrender as a humanity. We're being initiated into a whole new way of living. The question becomes, not what do I want, but what is life? What is the deepest expression of life that is seeking to express through me? What is life seeking to manifest through me? And to open to that, to align our mind, our bodies, our egos with the deepest impulse of what life is seeking to express, which may not be what we think, but it's always aligned. And I think when we can align ourselves with that, we're in flow. When we align ourselves with that, then we can align our strategies and our marketing and our planning with what's true. That's when the magic happens. And that's when, that's when grace flows and unfolds. So the magic mm. of surrender is, is really what I'm inviting people to live. I believe that surrender is the most powerful thing that we can do as human beings. Absolutely. And I think the way that you were speaking about it, when we are always seeking external, wanting more money, a better relationship, whatever, <clears throat> it's, it's not satisfying, it's short-lived. Whereas when you go right. deep within, what is it that I want to be rather than what I want? I think that's, that's what you're talking about. It's letting go, surrendering to yeah. what is within you, not external exactly. driven. Yes, love it thank absolutely. you so um as we wrap up the show we always love to ask our guests to leave three shiny gold nuggets for our listeners they could be <clears> like three practical exercises or three hot tips that you would like to leave um number one speak feel live the radical truth the truth will set you free life is simple feel the truth speak the truth live the truth end of story most of the things that you pray about go to god about will eradicate will dissolve if you live the truth without compromise that's the first thing um the second thing i would say is remember that you are going to die you're going to die ultimately none of us make it out of here alive jesus died buddha died all of the great ones i mentioned mother Teresa died you and i are going to die and none of us know when that moment will come you know the people in 9 11 the people in the tsunami, the people in, you know, uh, a war from a month ago in Ukraine or Africa, they had no idea that they weren't going to come home that night and look their loved ones in the eyes and say, I love you. And so if there's something that is 
unexpressed, if there's something that is ungiven, if there's something that's unsaid, say it now. And if death came, are you ready? And if not, why not? What would you need to do? How would you need to live your life in such a way that if death came, you could be ready with no regrets? Because at the end of the day, I always say like, life gives no refunds. You can't go to God and say, can I get a refund on those two years that I wasted in that relationship? It's gone. And so hold death close. For me, as a practice, I like to just hold death close feel death, not as a morbid thing, but as, a, as an urgent call to the preciousness of each moment. When my mother died, I got to spend a year with her. And my only regret in that year was why the hell did I wait till she was freaking dying to spend more time? I thought I was too busy. I thought I had forever. I thought, you know, when I have more time, and the truth is we don't. The only moment we have is, is right now. Um, thirdly, I would just say, enjoy the journey, enjoy the moment, enjoy and celebrate along the way. The more you celebrate, the more you have to celebrate, the more you focus on what's beautiful, the more what's beautiful expands. And so stop waiting for some special moment in the future to celebrate, like celebrate now, savor every moment. We're born alone, we die alone. We come with nothing. So everything beyond nothing is a bonus. It's a gift. And so enjoy. Oh, Keith, you're such a powerful, inspirational human being. I want to say thank you. We'll have every, for our listeners, we'll have everything in the show notes so you can connect with Keith. Highly recommend. Check out his book, The Magic of Surrender. And um, you're, oh, I just, I, I, listening to you, I could listen to you all day long and I'm sure our tribe will too. So thank you so much for your time, your energy and sharing your wealth of wisdom with us. Thank you so very much, Coop. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please click on share show with your friends to help make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to get involved is to click on follow show or leave a review on iTunes so that we can give you a shout out on the show. If you have been a long time listener of the show, you know we are big on delivering content that is valuable for you content that will address your pain points. So if you have any questions or ideas for a podcast show, please reach out and we will create the content to meet your needs. Yes, you heard right. If you have topics, themes or special guests that you want to hear from, please send us a note to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will create a show especially for you. Wherever you are in the world, Sending you love, blessings and peace. Namaste.